Okay, so here we are, sort of halfway through this very short book, this short letter of the book of James. And if I'm completely honest with you, this particular passage, particularly the one where it talks about two kinds of wisdom, is one that I have felt God speak to me quite a lot in the past. And I've really, I'd say this is one of my favorite, not just my favorite books of the Bible, but one of my favorite passages. I think there's a lot of stuff in this chapter that can help us learn more about who we are in God. It matters what we say. How we talk, how we speak to others makes a huge difference to what we do. It makes a huge difference to those around us and the direction that our life can take. Now, I want this chapter here to be like a springboard for us to look at this morning how we use our tongues, how we speak, how we talk to people around us, people at home, people um, at work, people that we just meet. Speaking requires us to use our tongue. If we didn't have tongues, we couldn't speak. Is that right? So before I start, I just want to tell you some interesting facts about tongues. Did you know that women, on average, have shorter tongues than men? Did you know that Thomas Blackstone, anyone heard of him? Okay, he has the record of having the strongest tongue. He's lifted a weight of just over 11 kilograms hooked through his tongue. (laughs) What a horrid thought. The blue whale has the largest tongue in the animal kingdom. The the tongue is the size of an elephant. Enormous. Can you imagine that? 5,000 pounds. Uh, The hardest uh, tongue twister in the English language is this. The sixth Sick, sheiks, sick, sheeps, sick. Okay, try and say that fast. I should have written it on the screen. You could all have a go. There are more than 600 types of bacteria in the mouth. In your mouth right now, can you imagine? And for a milliliter of saliva, there's a million of them. What a thought. And finally... Not everybody can roll their tongues. Can you roll yours? My wife's doing a wonderful illustration of it here. And Katie, wonderful. Not everyone else is like, too worried to try and do it in case they can't do it. <laughs> so the tongue enables us to speak, and what we say is very, very important. I think God wants us to hear something through this passage today and through what we've heard as we read the word about talking. So what does talking look like for you? Are you somebody that talks a lot? Or are you somebody that talks very little? What do you say when you speak to your friends, when you go out socially, when you meet up with your family, when you speak to your neighbour over the fence, when you speak to the stranger at the bus stop, 
what is it that you say? Most probably you say things like, how are you? I would hope. Lovely to see you. How was your week? You might plough straight into a monologue of your day, of what things you've been um, doing. When you're walking down the streets, you might pass 10 people, 20 people. You might be so focused on what you've got to do, where you're going, that you give no eye contact and you don't say a word. My son Tom has started beginning this, uh, has begun this habit of when he walks past somebody, he's saying hello to them, um, which is quite friendly, but I think some people are a bit shocked because obviously he's a child and... Um, so in the shop, when the shopkeepers have got their name badge, you would say, oh, hello, Nathan. And the shopkeeper would be like, goodness me. But that's quite good. I'm quite pleased that my son is developing his social skills. And he's, he's able to be polite and to um, engage with a conversation with a, with a stranger in that way. Our talking and speaking out make a huge difference to people around us. It really does. What we say makes a huge difference, and it's what James is getting us to think about in this chapter here. Consider this for a moment. It's the morning, you've just woken up. What is the first thing that comes out of your mouth? I know... <laughs> I know for me, there are some mornings it's not always that positive. I can be a little bit grumpy occasionally, some mornings. And when I am, the whole house is affected. The relationships in the house are affected. But I'm sure no one here gets out of bed grumpy in the morning. In these verses here today, James describes the tongue as a thing that can cause absolute havoc. He describes it like a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. I mean, that's pretty strong language he's using for the tongue that we use, that is in our mouths. He describes it as being similar to a bit that you'd put in a horse's mouth. Now, those of us that have horses would know what that is and how that's used. The small piece of metal that's placed in the horse's mouth controls the whole horse. With it, you can basically get the horse to go anywhere and do anything. That's what the tongue, that's what James is getting us to understand about the tongue. James also describes the tongue as being like a very small rudder that is used to steer a ship. In comparison to the size of a ship, the rudder is this small piece of metal or wood that is on the bottom of the boat and with it, the pilot can basically change the course of the ship. Even if there's wind blowing, whatever, the rudder determines the course of the ship. This small piece of metal. It's like the tongue. That's what the tongue does, what we say. And finally, he talks about the tongue being like a small spark that would set a great forest on fire. 
The tongue can cause a lot of damage. Like a small spark with a forest can destroy a whole forest. So the tongue makes a huge difference to our lives and the situations around us. If we look at some more of the letters in the New Testament, they're full of instructions for us as Christians to use our tongue, to encourage one another, to build each other up in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Paul also says in Ephesians chapter 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Quite a challenge, really, that what comes out of our mouths we should use for building others up. We can use our mouths to speak encouragement and blessing to those around us, or we can use it to tear people down. Now, do you ever find yourself thinking, I wish I didn't say that. Ah, <laughs> oh, I've gone and said it again. But you know, this person, they were, they were in the wrong. He shouldn't have done that. Somebody had to say something. It was down to me. I was right to say something. Or maybe you find yourself thinking, oh, I wish I'd have spoken up in that situation. I wish I'd have spoken up in that situation. Now, these are all reflections of what we might think following any given situation where we've had an opportunity to speak or not speak, where we've had an opportunity to use our tongues. Speaking carries huge weight. It does. Speaking carries huge weight. What we say carries huge weight. So what causes us perhaps to have reflections like this of what we may have said? Even as Christians, you know, we may speak ill of someone. We may say things that hurt others. You know, we believe in a God and we believe that, you know, we shouldn't do it. But there are times when we say things that we don't want to, or times we don't say things when we should. So what do we do about it? How can we Ensure that we speak in a way that brings life, that brings encouragement, that brings God's kingdom, that brings greatness into situation that we see people becoming all that they can be, that brings encouragement and blessing to those around us. How do we do it? And I want to encourage us in three ways this morning. Firstly, I would say it's relying on the Holy Spirit. Relying on the Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, to help us to say the right thing. You know, the Holy Spirit is for us, is there for us every single day. He's with us. And actually, you know, it's a matter of thinking and relying on him and asking him to show us how to say the right things. A tongue in the hands of the Holy Spirit can bring great glory to God. We see in this passage 
that the tongue can also do the opposite. It corrupts the whole person. It says the whole course of life on fire and itself set on fire by hell. It can be something that can be completely destructive. But if we're relying on the Holy Spirit, it can be something that can bring life and bring wholeness to people and situations. Take the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples. They spoke in many languages. They spoke with the power of the Holy Spirit. The people were like, oh my goodness, what's going on with these people? And people were touched by God. Many came to faith when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples at the day of Pentecost and the following days. Many came to see the wonderful power of God at work in people's lives on that day of Pentecost. Later, when Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, and we can read it in Corinthians, he declared that his preaching was not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit wants to work in us, wants to change us, wants to enable us to be all that we can be in God. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us. The Holy Spirit hears God's power in us. And Paul carries on to say why. He's declaring that it's not his wise and persuasive, it's the Spirit, so that their faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. It's not about me. If it was about me, I would not be standing here today. God's spirit enables each one of us to declare the goodness of God, to declare it to those around us, to declare testimony of what God has done for us, of who he is, of how amazing he saved me. He's given me a life that nobody else can give me. I I am so, so appreciative, the more than words can say, of what God has done for me, that he saved me, that he's given me a wonderful life, that I have eternity with him. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have a power that flows through us, which is the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave. A power that enables us to speak of his kingdom, to speak of his forgiveness. You know, there is a, there is a, a totally and um, complete forgiveness that can be found in Christ. That we are completely forgiven. That there's nothing that we've done, that we can do, that we will do, that we cannot be forgiven for as we bring it to Christ. You know, this power in us helps us speak of these things. That's why we speak of them, because he's done it for us. He's a God of mercy. It talks about this wisdom that is full of mercy, wisdom that comes from heaven. As we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, each one of us is a testimony of God's grace. That's how we speak in a way that brings life. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to release us 
to be more than we believe that we can be, to speak of his great love, his glory. And our challenge, I think, this morning would be, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us, to speak in and through us? Because, you know, I know I could definitely do more in this area. Secondly, we speak and bring life when we speak with wisdom that comes from heaven. And the second part of this chapter, James talks about two kinds of wisdom. He says in verse 13, who is wise among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. I think growing in wisdom is the key to speaking in a way that is edifying and brings glory to God. Growing in wisdom. There is wisdom to be found in this passage. Paul describes wisdom of the world again in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were caught. Not many of you were wise by human standards, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. There's two types of wisdom, worldly wisdom and wisdom that comes from heaven. In this chapter, James tells us that being wise in the world's eyes is where there's envy and selfish ambition. But going back to the letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, it is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. And he says, Christ Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. Let me just say that again. Christ Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. Jesus is wisdom personified. Isn't that wonderful? James is talking here about two types of wisdom. How do we find wisdom? Wisdom can be found in Jesus. Jesus is where all wisdom can be found. He is the wisdom from God. Jesus is our righteousness, our holiness. You know, God is a holy God. We were singing about it this morning. You know, God is holy. He's pure. He's perfect. And the wonderful thing is, because of Christ, we are now made holy. I still, that still blows my mind to think that we are now holy because of Christ. Wisdom from God leads to humility because there's a sense of accepting Christ. Humility leads us to receiving Jesus, to knowing him as our Lord and our Savior and our Redeemer. Jesus is the one in whom we find all wisdom. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you can do it today. You can do it today. And my encouragement to you is to to take that step of faith, to receive him as your Lord and Savior, because he is alive and he wants you to know him today personally. Jesus says that wisdom does not come down 
wisdom that does not come down from heaven is earthly, it's worldly, it's unspiritual and of the devil. This wisdom produces disorder. It drives people apart. It brings strife. It brings suspicion, doubt, resentment, bitterness, heartache and pain. Not that great. This earthly wisdom thinks it can escape God's sight and hide. Earthly wisdom can often be hidden. But wisdom from heaven, true wisdom, is not the result of human attainment, but it's the gift of God, as James tells us about in chapter 1. And then we see in verse 17, James tells us that the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It's pure. Wisdom from heaven is cleansed of all ulterior motives and of self. It's pure enough that those who live by it see God. Matthew 5, verse 8 says, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Is this your heart's desire to know this pure, to know this um, pure wisdom, to be pure in heart? Are we seeking to speak with pure motives. James goes on to say that this wisdom is peace-loving. And the Greek word for peace is irene. I thought if I said that cobbedly enough, that would be the right pronunciation. That's irene, there we are. But the Greek word used here is irenikos. See, I'm fluent in Greece. Greek. And this word means peace. Not just peace, but peace between individuals, peace-loving, peace between individuals, a right relationship between individuals and God. There's a, a broader context here when it's not just peace, but it's peace between relationships. You know, worldly wisdom delights in hurting others with clever but cutting words. It's like getting one up on another you know, there are times that I have done that. Even this week, I know there was one time when I spoke when it wasn't particularly edifying to the person I was speaking to. We can all be susceptible to this type of wisdom. But James is encouraging us to seek the wisdom that comes from heaven, the one that is peace-loving, true peace-loving wisdom, seeks to bring people closer together and closer to God. If what you say brings people closer together, then the wisdom that you are applying is the wisdom that comes from heaven. Wisdom from heaven is considerate. It's submissive. That word's quite a bad word these days. Wisdom is submissive. A willingness to listen to reason or appeal. It is not rigid or stubborn, but is willing to be open to people's, other people's opinions. It's skilled in knowing when to wisely yield to the person or to people in question. There is wisdom 
that comes at times when it is right to yield. And this wisdom is full of mercy. And it's not just mercy towards those who are suffering unjustly, but there's a mercy in this passage which we can demonstrate through our words to those whose trouble is even their own fault. When people get themselves into situations because of their own fault. But mercy is showing the love and the kindness and speaking to them in a way that enables them to grow. Wisdom that comes from heaven has no favorites. It is without hypocrisy. It never pretends to be what it's not. It never acts apart to gain its own ends. There's a lot of things in there to unpack regarding what wisdom from heaven looks like. But you know, I feel when I was going through this that all of those things describe only one person that I know, and that is Jesus. Jesus, when I look at all these things, enabling to does all those things, when I think and when I hear about the Gospels, I read through the story of Jesus, he's able to do all these things, and he's perfect in all these things. But you know, the great thing is that Jesus is in each of us, that Jesus is encouraging each one of us to live with this wisdom, to outwork this wisdom, to see this wisdom as our friend, and draw from this wisdom as we outwork our lives. What a wonderful thing to draw that this wisdom is available to each one of us. And finally, how we speak in a way that brings about life and encouragement and blessing is by speaking from the overflow of our hearts. We speak because of what's inside us. We speak out of what's in our hearts. Jesus said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. How is your heart today? How is your heart? Is your heart overflowing with the truth that you are loved? That you have an inheritance that can never be taken away? Do you speak from that place of knowing that you are completely and utterly accepted? Does your heart overflow for those around you? For your family? For your friends? For your neighbours? For those who don't know Jesus? Does your heart overflow for your enemies? Wow. That's a big, big ask. But Christ enables us to have this love for those who are unlovable. Our hearts can be damaged. Our hearts can be broken. Are we willing to come to the God of all creation? Are we willing to come to him who broke the power of sin, death, sickness, and pain? Are you willing to come to him to find healing, to find restoration of the damaged and broken paces in our hearts? Because I know I have. I found healing by coming to Jesus. 
He's made me alive. He's healed places in my heart. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. And it takes humility to humble ourselves and receive Christ into those areas of our lives that we want to keep hidden. And my encouragement is to take steps of faith for us individually, us as a church, to take steps of faith as we trust in the one who is good and faithful. My encouragement is that we seek to understand what it is in us that causes us to react if we are to speak, or when we speak badly, of people or situations. James tells us that if we harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in our hearts, that this is what causes us to speak ill of someone, to curse men who have been made in the image of God. When our hearts are in this place, when our motives are out of selfish ambition, then we may fall. And I think there are times when we need to be honest with ourselves. We may dress it up with tiredness. We may blame others. But if our motive is of self-interest, self-protection, pride, envy, then we're not drawing from this wonderful wisdom that James tells us about that comes from heaven, that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. We're not relying on the Holy Spirit to lead us, to teach us. The Holy Spirit is with us. He wants us to trust him, to guide us. We can repent and turn to Christ today and receive his forgiveness. We can know the fullness of what it is to be a child of God, walking in the truth of God's wisdom for us. I also feel that there may be people here who know that they have a voice, but they've remained silent. They've kept quiet for a long time. And, and I just really feel, and it's interesting that this week there are quite a few people away. So in some ways, you know, it's making that step of faith to speak out. Um, is that there's more opportunity, if you like. But I just feel the Holy Spirit is prompting individuals here to begin a journey of finding freedom. That there's a silence that you may have lived under for some time. And it's time to find freedom in Christ. God wants all of us to use our tongues for his glory. To speak blessing into people's lives. To speak truth in love in a way that edifies the body, the church, in a way that enables us to stand out in the world. God wants us to use our tongues to set a forest on fire. Not like the forest that James talks about, but in a good way. The forest of the world, if you like, is a very dry, parched place. Parched of spiritual hope. And we can use our tongues to set the world alive, alight 
with the fantastic goodness of God. You know, it's amazing what God can do through each one of us as we use our tongues, as we use our voices to declare the goodness of God. He wants to set our hearts on fire, that our tongues would be on fire to speak of his kingdom and his power. I also believe that God wants to set people free from fear. Fear of man, fear of what people might think as they speak out, fear of reprisals. All these things will stop you speaking out. If you're fearful, you won't say anything. You'll remain silent. You might think, oh, well, I didn't say anything, but okay, well, let's just get on. And I also believe God wants to set people free from feeling insignificant. Who am I to speak out? What right have I got to speak up for this thing or to speak into that situation? I just feel there's a, that God wants to just sort of break open a door in people's mouths this morning. And if that's you, then I want to pray with you and I want to encourage you that God is with you. You know, you could respond today, but if you don't respond, God is always there. He will always say, come. I want to use your tongue in a way that brings glory to me. I want to use your voice in a way that speaks of my kingdom, that sets people free. You know, speaking truth into people's hearts and minds sets them free. Truth, Jesus, speaking him into people's lives. When you see people set free, it's an amazing privilege. Absolutely. It's an amazing privilege. And I believe that God wants to do that in people this morning. God is here by his spirit. And he wants to set some people's rudder of your life in a different direction, in a way that finds freedom and to be someone who speaks truth in a way that brings the righteousness of God into relationships and situations around you. Do you want that for yourself? Wonderful. Staying silent is not an option. The more you spend time with the fountain of all wisdom, spend time in devotion to Jesus, the one who saved us from things that can so easily draw us away from God, the more you'll be able to live in freedom and confidence in who he made you to be. Can I just encourage the band to come up?